Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Today's workshop topic is about how to avoid tantrums in preschoolers and promote positive behavior. Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Support Center, a not-for-profit organization, helps families and children. Inventive Minds offers family law mediation services, a private-inspired Montessori school, an early years childcare facility, parent and youth support therapy, community services for new moms, and parenting courses related to children aid services, mediation, separation, and divorce. They also help families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with Inventive Minds to learn more about their school, new mom services, their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges, support programs from newborns to teens, and adult group support programs for reconnecting with your children and developing an emotionally attuned parenting strategy. To clarify, I am a youth development coach and I am not a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or master's in social work. If you believe that you or anyone you know needs the help of a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family, master's in family and child counseling, or master's in social work, do speak with your family doctor, local walk-in clinic, or hospital. Today we have Allison <laughs> Schaefer. Yes, thank you so much for being here, Allison. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been too long. Allison is an Adlerian family counselor, author, and internationally acclaimed expert who empowers families by sharing her principles, rules, and tools for raising cooperative and resilient kids. Allison's education background includes a BSc, MA counseling, OACCPP from the Adler School of Chicago, and an honors Bachelor of Science from the University of Waterloo. Allison is also an international TEDx speaker and an international best-selling author of three parenting books published by HarperCollins Canada. Titles of these books, they are Breaking the Good Mom Myth, Honey, I Wrecked the Kids, and her latest, Ain't Misbehaving. So welcome. Thank you. I guess I should say, and the mom of two kids. So yeah, well, that's important too, for sure. Very much uh, relatable to today's topic. You know, and and I, you know, and I worked in a nursery school and helped open several nursery schools. And so like my favorite Mm. age is that 18 months to, you know, uh, sending kids off to kindergarten. So this is, uh, this will be timely for me today. (laughs) Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, great. Well, there's a lot to cover as there always is. Is there anything in particular you want to say before I get to my first question for you? No, I'm I'm good to go. I mean, I, I think it's an interesting topic, uh, you know, given that we just had the uh, events that happened with Will Smith. It seems to be the big topic about people handling emotions. So not, yes. not even adults can handle emotions. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. very timely. Yeah, absolutely. All of us, all of us have, I think, had some difficulty at one time or another in our lives. Being able to handle emotions, being emotionally educated is massively important. And for those of us that didn't get that education, it's important to get it at some point, especially if if you have children. So that way you can kind of pass it to pass it on to them at the earliest age possible so that they grow up in in a most functional and healthy way they possibly can emotionally. So a lot of well what said. we covered today, I appreciate that. And, and I believe a lot that we covered today is going to is going to help with that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, good. So uh, let's start uh, by asking you, uh, what does a preschooler's tantrum typically look like? Let's start with that. 
I think most parents can recognize what a tantrum meltdown is. Um, this is a child who's emotionally dysregulated. Um, and I think that's sort of from a biological point of view. I think it's important that without going too deep into all the neuroscience, um, but just very briefly to say that there's a part of the brain that's involved in rational, reasonable thought. It's the, it's the part of the brain that takes the longest to develop. Um, and so in our littlest people, it's not very developed yet. And then there's this other part of the brain that is much more... Uh, there's sort of survival, emotional type of the brain that sort of perceives threat and wants to keep us safe. And uh, it's tied into emotion, emotions and memories. And so when we get dysregulated, that sort of higher ordered thinking brain literally goes offline. And that limbic emotional brain kind of takes over. And so what you see is a child who's either going to scream or yell or kick or cry. And you can see they're having a hard time. It might be directed at you, it could, you know, um, but you can see that there's an overwhelm. You can just see the flooding that happens with them. And, um, you know, really a, a general way to think about it is it's a child who is letting you know through their behavior and their emotionality and maybe some of their words, they're basically saying, I don't like what's happening. <laughs> right. I, I don't like what you just said. I don't like the boundary you just made. I don't like that my ice cream just fell off my ice cream cone and landed on the sidewalk because I wanted to eat it. I don't like what's happening. And right. I'm mad about it. I'm upset about it. Right. right. It's a big communication. Right. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Now, um, would you say that typically when it comes to a tantrum that it is generally like this always ex expressed in this big emotion or could there be sort of like levels in terms of uh, something that we can be aware of as parents that says like, oh, this is like the beginning of a tantrum. This is a sign of the beginning of a tantrum. Or does it typically some, is it typically something that happens where it just they could be happy one moment and then immediately they're expressing this big emotion the next moment. Is there a lead up is what I'm getting to, I guess. Um, well, what I, what I would say is that there are many parents who will describe that their child goes from zero to a hundred in one second, that it's like stepping on a landmine, that they'll describe it as I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around my child because they have this explosive kind of tantruming behavior. So I would identify that as being one experience that's very common. But I also know parents who get, because a lot of this has to do with some of these patterns of interactions where they'll say, you know, I know that if I take their plate away at the dinner table because they got down from their chair, they are going to lose their mind. Or I can already tell they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I don't know what happened, why one morning they woke up in this mood and the other morning they wake up in another mood, but I already know we got that kid coming at us and I need to deal with them with extra um, uh, sort of precautions or be extra sensitive because they are going to get triggered around something. So I think, I think it can be both. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that's fair. Okay, good. So um, now what are the four main reasons why a preschooler will exhibit big motions? Well, you know, I, you know, a couple things here is interesting because I know you're asking for the four reasons and I thought, Oh, I don't know. Maybe there's three, maybe there's six. How many, how many do I know? Right. <laughs> So right. I actually did take a moment to think about what are the four. The first things I would say is that, you know, they're, they're, they don't have the skills yet. Emotional regulation is a skill 
and you develop it over time and we want to be exercising those muscles for our kids so you'll notice that you know babies cry less and less over time like you know we do see that things that were appropriate at three if they're still happening at seven are now not age appropriate these kids are missing some developmental steps so yes there are some skills um there's also agency that a lot of these kids um, don't feel like they have much control and say in their lives because you don't when you're three. Your parents tell you, now we gotta go to bed, now we gotta go in the car, now we're gonna see grandma, no, you don't get to eat a popsicle. They don't have a lot of control in their lives. They're given about 200 command requests a day. And so when you don't feel like you have control, you're gonna be more likely to be reactive to, to, to life around you. Um, so that agency and that sense of power and control is just really low in kids. And so right. the, the more that we get more agency and the more they get more power in their lives, the more these things tend to come down. And, and the same with perspective. You know, there's life experience that tells you, you know what, sometimes your ice cream falls off, but you know what, you get another one. Or, you know, these days pass or, you know, it's, but right. when you're small, that is the end of the world. In, in their life, that is literally the end of the world. If you've only got, you know, if you don't have money, you can't buy another ice cream cone. Right. You know, you, you you don't know when you're going to the ice cream store next because you only go when your parents let you go and you don't know what the, you don't know when that is. So, right. you know, it's these things all lead to them having a very sort of short, immediate what's in it for me kind of perspective, because kids start really with a very egocentric point of view that's wired in their need to make sure that somebody looks after them. And so as they grow, we we help them learn that the world doesn't revolve around you. You got to think about others. You can't always be the line leader. You can't always have popsicles for breakfast. Like, <laughs> And we teach them a bigger context in, with time. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so there's a lot of reasons here. I mean, when I was thinking of reasons myself, um, because, I mean, granted, what I do is vastly different um, and experience wise things are quite a bit different when I deal with anybody that's experiencing big emotions and I also uh, work with some preschoolers but I also work with a lot of um, uh, older kids uh, you know from grades one to eight let's say and when I'm working with them a lot of the reasons that I'm thinking of that they would have to express a big emotion uh, of course comes from stems from the fact that yeah sure they might not have the control in their life that you know perhaps they would like to have and also they there's this sense of tremendous dependency from one moment to the next still and there's also this inability to express oneself effectively there's just you know being reactive and that kind of thing uh so but when i was thinking about reasons i was also thinking about things as simple as um you know you didn't get enough sleep the night before or you're just you're hungry or oh yeah i absolutely believe that if if you're gonna you know you you don't take you know a toddler to the mall that hasn't eaten and it's nap time and you're just asking for poor behavior for sure so we know that we need those things in place um, but by the time you start getting into older kids, when you can't really rule out that, a, a lot of this is, is two things I think parents need to think about. Again, that we start life with this egocentric idea that where a child's original infantile position is, I want what I want when I want it. Right. And I will, I will protest when things don't go my way and I don't get what I want. And if you, we need to train our kids to have more what we call social interest, care and concern for other people to be more like a group member rather than just focused on themselves. That's a, that's a self-entitled kind of attitude that we need to mature as kids get older. 
Now, what happens with kids is by the time you're getting to like grade three, grade four, grade five, these kids may well have learned that I do get what I want when I want, because if every time they melt down, their parents cave into them, then they've come to expect that that is the way life should unfold. Right. So, so, so it could well be that they've learned in my life from my experience, I've learned that the only way to get my way is to put my foot in and demand it through bad behavior. And they haven't learned how to get their way and have a voice and have a say in constructive means. So there's that piece. Um, and then the other piece that often blindsides parents is that as I'm, cause I work with this kind of behavior all the time is I'm looking for what the trigger is what sets them off and the thing that sets them off that parents are unaware of is how arbitrary parents are around enforcing certain rules limits and boundaries they think they're being consistent but if a kid says right. to you at starbucks um can i have a cake pop and you say no now in your parent brain you're saying no because at lunch we already had mac and cheese and that's too many carbs and we're going to grandma's tonight and i know she's going to give you apple pie um and tomorrow is your day where you get your allowance and we're going to go to the candy store and that's too much sugar in a day and did you go out for recess it was raining so if we take the you know molecular volume of your body and divide it by your basal <laughs> metabolic rate and like whatever we come up with some unbelievable calculation right right in our mind that tells us that we're doing good parenting Right. And we just, but we say to the kid, no. Right. Now the child doesn't know all our logic and reasoning. All they know is you were the gatekeeper to my candy pop, to my cake pop. Yesterday you said yes. Last week you sometimes you say yes and sometimes you say no. And I don't understand the rules. And you are the person that has authority over me. And I am beholden to your decision making, which makes no sense to me. Mm. And I don't say thank you for all the other cake pops. I say, why do you hate me today? This is right. unfair, unjust. I am being demeaned. I am under your thumb. I don't like being oppressed. Right. And so we generate from those mistaken thoughts and cognitions, which is a lot of what CBT is about. We generate the emotion of anger, which is the fighting emotion that helps us fight for justice because the child right. feels that it's unjust, that you should have the right to say no because they don't get it systemically. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. So, and, and you you touched about, upon something that uh, very quickly because you're trying to make a really um, obvious point with this, and, and trying to basically, it sounds like what you're saying is is you got to first really understand a child's point of view and perspective here and how they think because if you can start from that basis, then it becomes a lot easier to be able to negotiate and figure out your way around things and navigate around big emotions and, and because they don't understand also where they're coming from and why they're coming there. And you can then kind of get on the same page with them and how you can then conduct yourself to make sure that they don't have all these feelings that they don't know how to express effectively that just come out in a way that they probably don't want to have to express it that way either. So it, well, they don't know any would... other way. And I, and I would go a step farther to also say that um, uh, children's behavior happens at them and adult behavior, can I also just to say. The yes. majority of our behavioral choices happen at a pre-conscious level. Children do not know why they do what they do. So when you say, just explain it to me, why? Why did you hit your brother? Why are you mean to your brother? Why are you so upset because you didn't get the cake pop? They can't say it. They, they cannot put words to it. So that's an yeah. inappropriate ask. So it's not only, it's not just about the communication skills. So as a parent, we have to 
what I say is like, we need to be the interpreter who is curious, who's making some guesses, because if you can guess why, they will hear it and you'll get something called the recognition reflex and they'll go, oh, yes, but it's the first time it's moved from their pre-conscious to their conscious mind. So, you know, you could say something like, it sounds like you really don't like when I pick, you know, when we have cake pops and not cake pops and you feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just the boss over you. They couldn't put words to that, but you might get them go, yeah, that. Um, yeah, so, right. so yeah, yeah. Um, it's like an you itch know. that you're scratching for them that it's like it's on the back. Yeah. But, and they're kind of telling you where it is by their reaction, but they can't point to it. But as soon as you get it, then it's like, yeah, yeah that's the spot. Yeah, exactly. Exa yeah. Exactly. So you make your best guesses. And we know that if they're upset, like I said, if they're going to anger and upset, we know that it has something about feeling demeaned or one down that that there is um it is it is a reaction to feeling one under now it could be adam that they're again going to the um that not all children's thinking is 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 close to common sense so it could it could be for example that they say you know um you always give my brother more french fries than me and if they have a belief that I never get treated fairly in this family and my brother is always preferred over me. It wouldn't matter if you counted out every single one of those French fries. And if you got a measuring rod and you said this French fry is exactly four inches long, whatever, they will continue to find a reason and find evidence for why they are being mistreated. So that's not really on the parent, but it's, you know, we have to be able to make some guesses on, sounds like you really feel like you get treated unfairly in this family. It wouldn't matter how much we spread the French fries and the cake pops. You feel like you get the fuzzy end of the lollipop in this family all the time. That would be really tough. So you don't say you're wrong. You just say right. that would be really an awful feeling to think like you could never get your way and that your brother's always preferred. Those would be icky, icky feelings. I'd be upset if I believe that too. Right. I, I don't want you to believe those things. That hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah. And it comes from, by doing that, it comes from a place of understanding. I, I love that technique a lot where you're starting with, it sounds like. Yeah. You're making a guess. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. It sounds, sounds like. like. Could, and they, or could and they it might be? Say, and they might say, no, no, that's not it at all. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. That's fine. Okay. So then is it this? And it's sort of this exploratory kind of, a conversation that you can have until you can get to that itch. And then a lot of times, uh, I, at least from my experience as well, I've noticed that if you can at least get to the feeling, then it diffuses things dramatically because then they just, they, they're, they feel understood. There's a connection there between like, I'm feeling this thing that I don't want to feel. Oh, and you understand it. Oh, so, so we're, we're in that feeling together now. I'm not alone in it. And okay, so now also as a as a parent, and if I can understand where you're coming from, then I perhaps I can help you through it a bit. Yeah, and and that's so. There's we have something called mirror neurons. And to your point, instead of saying "get over yourself," it's just a cake pop. You had one yesterday. Like instead of getting into logic, kids don't understand that. The goal is to help them get re-regulated. And so if we see that this is about providing emotional comfort to the kids, aligning and joining and having the, the feeling of being the, uh, to feel felt, to feel understood. So you join them. You're like, oh, we just got the ice cream cone and we were looking forward to it all week. And then it dropped on the ground and we can't eat it because the dirt's on it. And, you know, when a kid sees you, they're like, yes, like right. you're using the words, you're mimicking the now some kids get very sensitive and think you're mocking them. So you have to do right. that judiciously yeah but to you, know your child 
totally but you know the, the point is there's to your point you're being aligned you're being empathic you're 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 basically proving I what you're feeling right now and that that joining then you can use your calmness to say what are we going to do about it oh maybe we can come back tomorrow yeah i like that strategy too is, is figuring out what you can do together about it so okay first understanding making sure you scratch the itch in terms of the emotional connection that is needed there in that moment to help regulate and then from there decide okay so like what can we do together to get through this situation and, and it's got to be after they're emotionally regulated if you've got yeah. a kid that you put in a timeout because they're kicking your shins and you send them to their bedroom and they're whipping books across the bedroom at you this is not a time to problem solve they, that part of the prefrontal cortex that's involved in the higher reasoning is not available to them so your job is to get them calm and then we talk about how we do things differently or how we go from here yeah that makes perfect sense well okay that there's a there there are a lot of other questions i have and we could definitely i know i says every whenever i have these workshops with you i'm, I'm always like oh my god like i just want to talk about that <laughs> so much more but uh we have to keep going here so um let's talk about this what are some basic general steps parents need to take when children are exhibiting attention i know we kind of went into this but maybe we can kind yeah. of reiterate this maybe we can go a little bit deeper on that too if possible yeah sorry what, what the question once they're triggered yeah so once um yeah, once they're exhibiting a tantrum, once they are triggered, yeah. Um, what are some general steps? And it sounds like first there's the empathizing and connecting piece. Then yeah. there's well, the I would say one one step right before that, Adam. Okay. Because again, I work with parents that have these kids because they don't usually do it once. They usually do it frequently. Okay. You need to get a journal and you okay. need to, I want parents to track what just happened because you're going to have amnesia you're going to forget i because the triggers actually turn to fall into a few categories and it's not everything sets them off there's a few things so pay attention to what that trigger was what happened right before the kid went off the rails that's mm. the first thing and then to your point the second thing is we want to have as few words as possible anything that you can do to show them that you are calm and controlled yourself so as they escalate you want to you want to you want to create homeostasis by getting calmer. So they get intense, you get quieter, you get smaller, you move in. You, you, you want to be literally like an embodied Buddha. Um, you know, like race, for, they, they, they have these big um, bull mastiffs and they put them with the cows and they don't put the bull mastiffs out there to chase away the wolves. They put the big Buddha bull mastiffs out there to calm the cows. Hmm so that they aren't afraid that wolves are going to come. And they put little fainting goats in with racehorses too. You need to be so non-reactive. You need to be the most calm, quiet, settled. You need to prove to them you can have all the big emotions you want in the world. I, you do not need to change your emotionality to conform to what I find is comfortable or uncomfortable. Like a lot of parents want kids to stop tantrums because it upsets them. It's like, no, you're right. the adult. You need to hold the space for them to have all the big emotions they want and say, I am a big adult and I can contain all your emotions. Hmm. And so, you know, the calmness, the sweetness, and then kids often are actually quite frightened when they're explosive and they think you're angry at them. 
And so anything you can do to show loving anything, if some kids will let you touch them, like rubbing their back, do you need a hug, you know, getting a stuffy, if they don't want to, if they won't let you comfort them, go get a stuffy and a blanket or whatever and say, would this help, you know, a little rub in the back, oh, you're upset, I know, things aren't going your way, you, th you know, you thought the, and, and repeat, again, just that mirroring, you know, oh, you know, you, you thought your, your play date was going to go forever. And then mummy, mean old mummy said the play date had to end. Uh, you, you know, it's hard right. to say goodbye to our friends. He's a special person in your life. And, right. and you're just, you know, rubbing their back if you can or whatever. And then at some point, if they just kind of keep going and going, I, I really think it's important for parents to say, look, at, you've given them a calm space. They're allowed to be emotional, but you don't need to be sucked into their storm. You know, that, that's the part where we, we need to just be able to say, that's okay, go, go, go be upset. It's okay to be upset. I'm going to be in the kitchen making cookies. You know, come, come anytime you need another hug. But we right. don't need to stay and like work on them. <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. Okay, so first step is keeping, making sure you're keeping track of what happened just before the big emotion and, and tantrum was displayed. So that way you can see if there's any sort of pattern so you can learn from them. And then the next step is to empathize and to soothe and yeah, to bring them down call. into a regulated state. Um, I think of it almost as like a, um, a jazz radio host. <laughs> yes. So put your Great jazz me. radio host voice on. Yeah. And talk you know, gently and calmly and everything is, everything's fine. I'm here for you care about you and tell me what's what's happening what's happening right now that kind of uh, i love that um approach for sure and then once they're once and it'll be obvious i mean you know your kids it'll be obvious when they're regulated when they're you know back down to where they need to be and then you could perhaps try to explore it further um hey what what happened like how did how did we get here um you know what can we what can we do right now what, what do you what do you need right now do you want to talk about a little more do you want to just let it go what, what's up and then you can have maybe a little bit more of a conversation around it yeah definitely yeah. am i getting all that right you are you are and again going back to this idea about arbitrary and commitments and kids and power so for example if it's the play date coming to an end we might say it sounds like it's really important for you to know when you're going to have a play date so you know when the next one is let's go to the calendar and make sure that we have a play date written down do we need to go write down that jay is going to come back for a play date next thursday can i call his mom right. um or um you know, the cake pop, it might be, you know, it sounds like it's really hard for you to know when is a cake pop and non cake pop day. You know, would it be helpful if um, I gave you like three chits and you knew that, that you could have, you know, three cake pops and when those chits are gone, you know, then we need to refresh them or we only have cake pops on the day when we pick daddy up from the office or mummy up from the whatever they need, they need to, the, the blowouts usually mean they don't get how the decision was made. It feels arbitrary. It's not predictable. They don't know when the next one is coming. Right. And so the more you can get clarity around all of that, the better. Yeah, that makes sense. And somebody here we have um, on Zoom is asking us, uh, what are the trigger categories? I don't know uh, if we can necessarily go through those because there's there probably there's a, a lot, there's, but there's, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, not getting my way. Hmm. That's a big one. <laughs> it's a big oh, one. That's a, that's a common one. 
That's a common one, but that goes back to the egocentric, I want when I want when I want it, and I'm mad at the world if things don't go my way. Like, there's a lot of training we got to do around that, because that's not the way it works in the the real world, right? So you, as a parent, might have to say, have I been giving my children experiences where they do always get their way? Are they a picky eater and you make them a special meal? If they aren't ready for bed, do you procrastinate with them and kiss their teddy bears 27 times? All those Mm. things are reinforcing that they do get their way. So we got to get firmer on the boundaries with those kids. Yeah, assertive uh, with consistency. That's that's the thing, right? So decide what the rules are because everybody needs to know what what are the rules of anything. If there are no rules, if I say, okay, let's play a game, Allison, you're you're probably like, okay, so like, what what game are we playing? Well, just we're playing the game right now. It's like okay, it's it's weird and it's confusing. And for a child to be like, if there's rules, like if you know, like, hey, we're playing the game of chess and this is the way the pieces move, then you have some sort of idea of how you can navigate yourself through it. And it's the same yeah. with life. You want to teach your children, like, how are they navigating through their life? How are they navigating through the relationships with, that they have with you and the rest of the family members? And if they know that the rules are there and they're always the same, then it just makes things easier and simpler. And then you're also curbing chances of having situations where they're going to freak out because sometimes things are this way, sometimes they're that way, and it's all just confusing and messy. Uh, So yeah, having the consistency, that inconsistency, I believe is another trigger for sure. Yeah. And and so to your point and using that game analogy and, and trying to get parents to understand why limits, boundaries, rules, and predictability are a kid's best friend, um, you know, if 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 we're going to use the example of say soccer if sometimes if if sometimes the ball is kicked outside the lines and the referee doesn't call it have you have you never ever been in a soccer game and when it was when they're like ref call that shot call that yeah, right, right? That's right. what your kids are saying to you when when you when one time you take away their plate from the dinner table cuz they got down and the next day you don't then the next time you do take the plate away they're like ref bad call you didn't do that to me yesterday yeah. Every time you're arbitrary like that, you are like the crappy ref who is not chalking the lines. And these are kids who want to play the game, win the game, be successful, do right, do good. Their motivations are healthy. And yes. you're making it harder for them. It's it's yeah. like a rat trying to learn how to run a maze and you keep changing the gates. That's not, yeah. they're frustrated with you. Yeah, it's confusing. And that's such a great analogy because also I think as parents, if you think of yourself as a ref for essentially the game of life, <laughs> and you're navigating them. Well, think about what a ref does whenever a player doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Do they yell and scream at the player? No, they don't do that. Yep, they just make motions and it's assertive and it's calm and that's it. And they're just directing and it's no big deal. Like, And there's no, char- there, there's no character assassination. Mm-hmm. They aren't sitting there saying to the players, you know, well, if you would have come to practice, you would have known you can't do that. No, yeah. it's clear, swift, decisive. And they, yeah. and, and they well, get let's it. move on now. And if, and if you're really playing badly, then okay, you're, you're out of here. Out of the and game. Again, <laughs> yeah. And there's no, again, there's no yelling. There's no screaming. None of that. It's just purely professional. This is what it is. And no, we're not, we're not having that. And that's it. Yeah. So yeah, try to think about it that way. Um, one more audience question. And I know we got to move on. There's so much more to cover and we have such little time. It's always happens. We, have, we, have, we need more time with you. Allison. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, it's such a juicy topic, this one. It is so good. Um, somebody was asking, I was going to also get into this a little bit too. So I'm happy that somebody asked about this. Like, what do you do when you're trying to sue that your child and perhaps they don't want to be 
like some children don't want to be touched. They just leave, leave me alone. Like they want, they need space, right? So we wouldn't force, we of course are not going to force children if they don't want that. Know your child. If they, if certain things are not going to be soothing, then you just don't do those things and try to figure out what is some, some things that might be soothing is it could be all kinds of things like, Hey, let's have like a little, you know, snack of something. Cause maybe they're just hungry or, you know what, let's just, like give you some time to yourself or let's play with like a toy for a moment or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I think to your point, calming music, distraction, singing a song, humor, like you get to learn, you get to understand your kid touch is not always going to be the thing. Some kids want to just go to their room and read a book for a few minutes. Some kids want to put on headphones and listen to a story. Um, so, so you know, try different modalities knowing there's no right or wrong. It's, it's really just what your kid's going to respond to. I did and just from- get the low battery warning on my phone somebody yeah no problem and if, <laughs> okay. for those of you that are on instagram if we cut out on instagram it's just because uh you know sometimes instagram likes to suck the juice out of our out of our devices and then we just don't have any juice left and so it might cut out so just yeah. so you know on instagram please don't be upset with us um but uh, yeah let's let's move on here yeah uh so what are some changes parents can make to encourage more positive behavior and avoid tangents. I think we talked about a couple of them already, like the consistency and the sort of assertiveness and all this. But and fa- family meetings, family. I know they're little kids, but honest to God, even small, small kids have a voice, have a say, need to have a place where they can get their their um, wants met in the family. So if you get together once a week and say, "Hey, you know what? We had a really hard time saying goodbye on our play date to our friend Jay. You know, how can we do that differently?" Mm-hmm. Any time that you give a kid a voice and you show them constructive ways to get their needs met in the family Hmm. that is going to just make them feel again that the power differential between parent and child is smaller and and that they don't need to rely on bad behavior to get things that they want in life so i would like google family meetings you know honey i wreck the kids is my second book i've got all whole chapter in there um but i would get those going don't don't think that that's something for older kids as soon as your kids can talk you can start having simple family meetings yeah, getting that done earlier on, it also becomes a norm because as soon as you try to implement that in a later age, it's going to be like, what are you talking about? Family meeting? We've never done That's family meetings before. Yeah, get out of here, right? But if you've <laughs> always done family meetings as far back as they could possibly remember, then it's just normal and it's fine. And that's a really good, good, good idea to do that for sure. Um, now, uh, do you think our children's tantrums are a reflection of us as parents, because I know a lot of parents can be really hard on themselves. Um, you know, sometimes we can expect perfection as parents, and we don't want to ever make a mistake because we just want our our kids to feel great all the time, of course. But um, so I guess this is to sort of a two prong question here: Is it a reflection of us as parents when our kids are displaying these big emotions, and how can we be perhaps a little bit easier on ourselves? Yeah, listen, I know all kinds of kids who just have a genetic temperament. Um, that makes them more emotional, uh, have bigger feelings of emotions. And then as a child develops their personality, they do it in response to their environment. So it is far too complex to say it's causative based on parenting or it's causative based on genetic temperament. It's more complex than that. What I can say is you want to get skilled at responding to it as best as you can. Um, and you may look around in the house and say, is there anybody else in the adult uh, sphere that is having trouble with emotionality? Um, and so if we tend to be explosive or we get angry at our kids or we yell at our kids, then, you know, we could be modeling it. Um, but no, I know all kinds of calm, peaceful, loving parents who have kids who really need 
to work directly with a play therapist because some of those internal um, cognitive beliefs, which are the creation of the child, are responsible for some of these blowouts. And that is, that's no fault of the parents. And I'm going to work with the parents to help them learn how to emotionally regulate their kid. But it didn't, it's not causative like that. No, please. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've actually met a lot of parents as, as well on my end where they can be really tough on themselves and they, they see that their child is, is having a hard time. And of course, you love, you care about your child, you want the best for them. So it's natural to put the ownership on yourself uh, in some way. And I get that. But and of course, you do want to, you know, have some sense of responsibility in terms of what you can do to be helpful, but not necessarily responsibility in terms of, you know, because of who I am as a parent, now they're acting poorly or they're not inter doing things yeah. that they shouldn't be doing. I don't think that that's fair. And it also doesn't really help you or the relationship to to think that way. I think it's better for yourself to think that, hey, okay, my child's going through something difficult. I got to be there for them. I got to play my role as a parent. I'm going to do what I can. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But hey, I'm a human being, I'm not a robot. I'm going to have a tough time. And it's okay for me to have a tough time with it. Yeah, it's okay for things to be hard sometimes. Your kids aren't a lump of clay that you created. Your your child is not a chattel. You know, there's a there's a whole chapter in my first book, Breaking the Good Mom Myth, called you know my children are not a my children are not a reflection of me or my sorry that breaking the myth that my children are a reflection of me because they're not a reflection of you. Right. You you cannot your your worth or judgment of yourself as a parent has to do with how you react and respond to your kids, but you are never responsible for your children's behavior. You're only responsible for how you react and respond to it. That you have control of. What's right. in your control and what is not. Right. Stop beating yourself up about stuff that's not in your control. For sure, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. And also, if you're if you're finding that you're really having a hard time. Uh, you know, there are a lot of ways to seek information. I mean, Google can be a great resource. Of course, if you see that there are other families that you're close to that have whether they're family members or friends that you see that they have developed good relationships, you can always, you know, use that as a resource to be able to figure out what are what do they do? How do they do things? And also, uh, you can find a parenting psychologist, somebody who can counsel and help out uh, just yeah. as Allison does. So there's a lot of resources out there. Try not to put it all on your shoulders or all on your partner's shoulders or all on both your shoulders only. There's a lot of tools and strategies you can use that you just might not know about. And so educating yourself, like being in this type of workshop today yeah. and also talking to uh, counselors and friends, uh, other family members who you see that they have the types of relationships with their kids that you would like to have as well. Could you provide a scenario that can help us visualize the typical behavior of a preschooler's tantrum and explain some steps parents can take during that type of scenario? Yeah, I mean, I, th I gave the example there with the ice cream cone and the, and the cake pot. Those are two typical, typical yeah. ones, um, you know, but it may be that it's like, you know, time to get out of the bathtub and they don't want the bath to be over, um, you know, and so... Um, Oh my gosh, there's just so, and again, this getting your way or not getting your way um, 
but you know again i might start the bath is always a complicated one because parents are so worried about the fact that they're going to slip and they're going to slide or whatever and uh, you know i always want to give kids choice if i say it's time to get out of the tub and you can see that they're starting to not listen or they're starting to get agitated or they're like i'm not they're starting to throw their little duckies around or whatever um, or ignore you as if you aren't talking to them i want to give them choice and be very limited in my words but i might say i know bath time is is over it's hard when good fun comes to an end but we need to drain the tub now. Can you pull the plug on your own or do I need to do it for you? Anytime you give a child choice, you are giving them agency and control. And these kids are very sensitive to that. Now they're going to keep throwing duckies at you and, you know, go to the back of the tub or whatever. And so then I would just reach in and I would pull the drain. I'd say, oh, it looks like you'd like me to pull the drain. So you don't Mm -hmm. wait for the answer. They answer with their behavior. And now they're starting to get all upset and whatever. And I know maybe things are going to get splashy in the bathtub or whatever, but it's more important that you make this a teachable moment, even if it's inconvenient and it's not what you signed up for. I'm sorry that you're going to have to do some mopping after and your shirt's (laughs) going to get wet. Um, But I might say, we need to get out. You know, can you get out, you know, on your own or do you need some help with that? And then I would grab a big towel so that they're not slippery. Then I would, I'd say, that's okay. I can help you. And I'm keeping myself really calm. I can help you. I can be a helper. I know it's hard when fun comes to an end, but I'm looking forward to story time. And I would just keep plowing forward with what needs to happen even though they're upset about it. And then I would say, you know, I'm sorry, that was a tough bath. That was a hard ending. You know, let's move on to happier times. Let's get that book. Would you like to read this book or that book? So again, you're using distraction, engagement, empowerment. Um, And teaching resiliency as well, right? That, okay, we can have a bad moment, but we can also just move through it. Yeah. And I'm not making some big moral judgment on the fact that they were upset that the bath, you know, came to an end. I guess the key here is to try not to get stuck in a moment. Right. You see that something isn't happening the way it should. Try to regulate it. Go through some of the steps we've talked about. Be aware of it. Journal it. Try to regulate. You see that you're not able to regulate it. Then look for ways to move through it. Use choices. I love choices with kids is like one of the best things ever. Like two choices. I would say two choices. And they're both the same outcome. But at least they feel like there's a choice. And if they're just not responding to that, they're not responding to any sort of soothing, then yeah, you've just got to move it on. you got to move it on. Like Again, ref in the game, players not acting how they should be. They don't get stuck in the moment with the player. They move the game on. You just move the game on on with a positive attitude. (laughs) Absolutely. We covered a lot in a very short amount of time. There's a lot of wisdom you've already given, but of course I want to ask if there's any uh, final words of wisdom that you want to leave with us today before we finish up. Kids want to feel um, that they're making an important contribution to the family. So this is why we want to have kids being helpful. Um, you know, not just chores, like you got to like load the dishwasher or whatever, like just, we, we want to be grateful and thankful that they're part of the the family and that they have a, a voice and a say, and they contribute. Thank you for hanging up your coat, which, you know, teaching them how to use a vegetable peeler, um, you know, uh, showing them how to push the buttons on the dish, on the dishwasher and the washing machine and loading up a load and being a helper. And thank you for helping me. And you're so helpful. All of those things are show that social interest, helping, you know, helping others gets you off that egocentric base and it helps you feel empowered. Um, and so we have to do those things in conjunction with these other skills for managing blowups. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, great. 
Well, that was wonderful fun. I always learned so much from you. Thank you so much, uh, Allison Shea, for joining us today. And of course, thank you for joining this Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center workshop. Do visit www.inventivekidswithaz.com to learn more about the many other workshops available coming up soon. You can connect with Inventive Minds via email at inventivekidsagainwithaz at gmail.com for any parenting challenges so their professional team can connect with you. Check out a replay of this and many of our other podcasts by searching Inventive Kids, again with a Z, on YouTube and the Parent Toolbox on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Join the Parent Toolbox Facebook community group today by searching the Parent Toolbox on Facebook. Thank you and we look forward to seeing all of you again very soon. Make sure to check out inventivekids.com events for other parenting workshops, courses, and events. Thank you.